with up two. Moncada hits it wide left of center. This is for the lead. Moncada. One and out to Tim Anderson. That ball is hit well. Deep left field toward the corner. Tim Anderson sends it out of here. Jimenez drills it. Left center, number one in this ballpark is Gargantuan. And a line drive, left field base hit. That's going to split the gap and go all the way to the wall. Mercado runs. Jimenez, a towering fly ball to center field, and it is up and out of here. Makata throws this ball right field. The only question is which deck. Jimenez in the air, left field. He's your hero tonight. Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of White Sox Unfiltered. I'm your host, Patrick Flowers, and today we're going to be recapping the 2019-2020 White Sox offseason with a returning guest, Joe Lorenzana. Joe is the creator and administrator of the White Sox exclusive Facebook, and you might remember Joe from the podcast about a month ago, uh, before the flurry of activity for the White Sox really took off this offseason, Joe and I were discussing the Osmani Grandal signing, the Jose Abreu extension, um, you know, the preliminary Zach Wheeler talks, and how we thought that the rest of the offseason was going to unfold. We were right about some things. We were wrong about other things. And now that the dust has settled on the offseason, we're going to revisit our prediction, recap the offseason. We're also going to be talking about the changes down on the farm with the White Sox player development staff and the, the coaching staff for their affiliate minor league teams. And we're going to touch a little bit on the massive cheating scandal that's rocking Major League Baseball right now. But before we get going, I want to remind you, as always, to please go and follow on Tap Sports Network on social media. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle at Untap Sportsnet. And please go follow the White Sox Unfiltered Facebook and Twitter pages under the handle at Sox Unfiltered. Without further ado, here is today's guest, Joe Lorenzana. All right, I'm joined on the phone this afternoon by Joe Lorenzana. Joe is the creator and administrator, one of the fantastic administrators on the White Sox exclusive uh, Facebook page. Joe, thanks for taking the time today. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I can't complain. We're 24 days away from the start of spring training, at least when pitchers and catchers report. Uh, to Camelback Ranch in uh, Glendale. Excited. I'm about as excited as I can be. Um, last time you were on the show was prior to the miss on Zach Wheeler and after the Yasmani Grandal signing. So around Thanksgiving-ish, uh, we talked for about an hour and had a good conversation about what we thought was going to happen this winter with the White Sox. And boy, were we wrong. Yeah, I thought uh, for sure that they would uh, maybe, if they missed out on like a Zach Wheeler, uh, in that case, I thought maybe they're going to turn this into another developmental year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just didn't happen. They they said they wanted to be competitive, and they weren't kidding. They want to be competitive for 2020. I was a little worried for a while after they missed on Wheeler. It felt like the sky was falling, um, and... 
then they at the winter meetings they decided to trade for Nomar Mazar, and we'll touch on that in a minute. But I and then nothing for a while after, and and I know I felt like oh here we go again, and I'm sure you probably did as well. The fan base was up in arms. Um, were, give me your thoughts on how you felt right about then after the Wheeler miss and the trade for Mazara. I thought again the same thing as everybody else. I thought it okay, great. You know, we're going to have another developmental year. They got a young guy. If he works out, they'll try to extend him. If he doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter because there's uh, right field agents that they can plug in there if they need to. So I was that that was along the lines of what I was thinking. Um, at that point, it was it was kind of disappointing, but I just came to the accept. Okay, fourth year of the rebuild. You know, they're trying to improve the team. Uh, you know, by not landing Wheeler, I was not happy about that, but I understood. I, there was a couple of uh, explanations that he wanted to stay near his house because of his wife, and the other thing was that he didn't want to pitch in the AL at all. So, can't really fault them, especially on the AL front, because some pitchers are just, do not, they're afraid to get away from their comfort zone. Yeah. So, they land Mazzara, in the trade, and you, you described it perfectly, you know, buy low, high upside there. If it works out, great. If not, well, oh well. Uh, they move on from that. Then the moves start coming in the masses. They get Keuchel and Edwin Encarnacion and um, eventually fill in with C-Shack. They extend Luis Robert. I think I'm missing somebody right now. Am I missing something? We there might. was the one, two, three. Uh, the only other thing they did was extend a brave. So that's right, so right. Spot on. So then they do that, and now it's a whole new feeling, right? Now, now it's totally different. Within a matter of two weeks, two to three weeks, now we go from oh boy, here we go again. We're gonna have another developmental year, and we missed on the big free agent we tried to to acquire. Um, to Hey, we might have won the offseason here. This is this might be something we might have something cooking in 2020. Um, give me your thoughts on how you felt then thereafter, you know, the flurry of moves and the Robert extension. At, at that point, it, it became kind of an elation in the mere fact that we're, we're pretty much out of the rebuild. Uh, a lot of people have been looking forward to this point. I wasn't sure if it was going to go into next year or if it was going to be this year because of all the injuries they had in the minors. So I just sat back and was like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this moment because we've been looking forward to this since the 2017 season. A lot of people, uh, you know, attribute 2016. I don't. You know, it started with sale and an Eaton trade. So the 2017 was the first year. And I, and it, to me that was fine, but to go through the, the, the three seasons was heart-wrenching because you want your team to win so badly, but I understood what was coming out the other end. And I, I, I kind of enjoy the fact that they're proving people wrong, including myself, and the fact that they went out and got people. Yeah, absolutely. They proved me wrong. 
I mean, I tried as hard as I could to have a wait and see approach, um, but internally, and, and even sometimes it, it's it externally, it, it's kind of oozed out. I was very disappointed after at the it, you know before the flurry moves came. I was like, oh no, another year. Like you like you said, the last three years were heart wrenching. I. I was not ready mentally for a fourth year of 60 to 70 wins White Sox baseball. So needless to say, I'm thrilled that the offseason ended up going the way it did. Um, And I put my money where my mouth was. I've always said, do it, spend the money, put a winning product on the field, put something together, and I'll spend my money. I'll match you and I'll be there. And I jumped and made an investment for a 40-game package for this season I mean it's not the full 80 games but 81 games but um I couldn't attend there's no possible way I could attend 81 games in the summer so I figured I'll start small this year and see where it goes from there yeah that's still impressive though people don't understand how much work it is just to go to 10 games a year yet alone 81 I mean it's 40 is a hell of an investment uh it it takes a lot of time a lot of dedication to go to that many and you have to work around your own schedule. It, 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 it's crazy. I mean, it, it's hard to do it if you have a job, you have kids, you have. It is really hard to do. You have to have a, a special, uh, a special way to do it. Otherwise, it will never happen. Right. Um. So yeah, forty is is a hell of a commitment. A lot of people usually start off small you know, 10, 20, and then work their way up. But 40, that's a good leap. I mean, you took a jump. You know, so, I, I just felt like I've been saying the same thing for years, and they they came through, and I wasn't going to, you know, I just, I had to I had to do what I said I was going to do. I, I said I was going to make a big leap and an investment in the team if they'd made an investment in the fan base. And, well, here we are. We'll see how this summer goes. Hopefully I'll be seeing a lot more of you guys. I'll swing down to your section and, and – chat and hang out with you guys throughout the year i'll be there playing yeah, yeah we live there so um <laughs> especially this year I, I i was a slacker only i think i made 60 games last year <laughs> a slacker and, and i couldn't um i couldn't i don't know it's just like you know i loved watching that team especially offensively last year it was just so hard you know to go okay who's pitching today oh never mind yeah uh, you know i just i didn't want to watch it it just came to the point where you know, it's just like oh i'm just beating my head against a wall <laughs> not just any wall a brick wall at that point uh, how dare you not make it down to the park for an uh, late august uh, ross detweiler start uh, you are not a true no, fan big boss ross was not a, uh, <laughs> not a fan favorite and uh not uh joe favorite that's for sure um so i just said forget it um, and it, I became a little disinterested, and I was trying to get myself geared up for the offseason. And I love the offseason. I, you know, in baseball is wonderful because there are it's all year long. There's no off time. I mean, you have kind of the lull from now until spring training, but there's so many more free agents out there that could sign at any moment. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and they've been full of surprises. So we don't know what they're going to do other than not trade their top prospects for, you know, one-year rental. Yeah, and thankfully they didn't go down that road. I know that was being 
talked about early in the offseason and even you know right around that point at the winter meetings uh, where they kind of sat on their hands a little bit aside from the Mazzara trade, which costed them essentially nothing. Um, but the David Price rumor started to surface and that, you know, that was how they were going to acquire pitching. And I did not like any part of that at all. That, that's a lot of money for a, a guy who's definitely on the downside of his career. And he's, he's been injured. Yeah. I mean, at least with Keuchel, you know, you have a guy who's going to be there. Uh, you know, not the not the top echelon, but he was, I want to say, the fifth best pitcher in in the offseason. Um, but probably one of the most uh, dependable. Yeah, I mean, um, and the way it, it shakes out, people don't get it. They're like, "Oh, this guy," or you know, I'm like, "This guy might end up being our fourth or fifth starter in a couple of years." Right, and you know, then, then why give him that much money? It's not your money. Who <laughs> cares? Oh, thank you. I'm. I that is one of the most aggravating things about talking to White Sox fans or baseball fans in general. You know, they're 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 counting the White Sox money like it's their piggy bank. It's not your money. Who cares no, what they do with no, it? No, and the payroll is still surprisingly low. It really is. I mean, it's they, they did a lot of work, and, and a lot of it was bargain. I mean, Yasmani Grandal alone, I can't even believe that the first person, the first two people that I spoke to the day that they signed Yasmani Grandal, like within the hour after the signing, both of them used a word or some word n- near the, uh, the word overpay. And I'm like, overpay? He's a top three catcher in baseball, and... If you're going by the old eight million per win in war, you know, a player value chart, he's severely underpaid because his when you factor in his defensive abilities and his pitch framing and the defensive run statement stuff, he's severely underpaid by that chart. And that chart is even outdated and it should really be ten or eleven million per war right now, as it stands the way the market's inflated since that originally became a thing. So, right. you know, even I, go ahead. Oh, I, I'm saying on the on the uh, on the back end, I think they they paid him an extra year. Mm-hmm. Um, that if they want to say, oh, well, they overpaid. Well, yeah, they gave him an extra year, but that's what it took to land him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't you can't just go, oh, he wasn't worth eighteen point two five million a year. That's BS. He is worth that money. Absolutely. And people don't people don't see it because they don't understand. Hmm. So, and the same thing with Keiko. They're like, well, this guy isn't. Yeah, he is because you have to overpay a little bit, not a lot. And they didn't on either one. They barely did, probably in years, not in money. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, AAB, they didn't overpay. Right. Maybe a little bit in years. And I don't even think Keiko was an overpay. Maybe if they pick up the option year. Uh, maybe that was, but if he performs, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> It'll work itself out. Absolutely. And like you said, you got to overpay a little bit. When you're in the open market and, you know, the especially this year, beyond the top three free agents, you know, it was a little thin, right? It was a very thin market this year, um, even though it was a very quick-moving market. 
you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You don't you don't outbid the next team. And even if that means overpaying a little bit, you're going to go home with nothing. And the White Sox were hell bent on making sure that that wasn't the story for them this winter. And so fine. If there's some dead money at the end of these contracts, I don't care at all. Correct. Absolutely true. And I don't care at all. That's a, I've been telling people that since day one. And, and even like we've had the debate about Bryce Harper, I don't know, a million times. And I'm like, who cares? He's going to give you 10 years of product productivity. And who cares about the last three years? Absolutely. Who cares? Absolutely. Because by that time, the window's going to be closed and no one's going to care. And what is that money going to be worth in 10 years? Right. That's that's another thing people don't factor in. The inflation of the open market and what market value is perceived at. What market value is today is going to be pennies on the dollar to what the market value is 10 years from now. That was exactly my point. You're sitting there going, okay, we're talking math here. And math is a very strong point of mine. And I'm going, wait a second. Yeah, they could afford these guys. And they didn't. And I understand why. Because they're looking at, and Jeff Fagan, who's a great writer, broke it down and said, this is what they're looking for. They didn't want to go on beyond these years because of the dead contract. Well, again, does it really matter at that point in time? You know, we don't know, but I mean, giving yourself a 10-year competitive window, no one's going to complain about that. No. So, off-season's essentially done right we got 24 days until pitchers and catchers report but i think it's safe to say the white Sox have made their last moves you know unless they except for the non-roster invitees and maybe a filler piece here and there that they'll invite in the next few weeks but for the for the most part they're done this is what they've done and this is what we have going into 2020 give me your grade on the offseason as a whole for the white Sox. i have to give it a, a b plus a minus um, you know, they didn't go out and get the top guys, which I understood they weren't going to in the very beginning. I think we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't land Zach Wheeler, and we know why now. Uh, I think that right field could have been a better option, but I'm also looking at the free agent market for next year. Uh, a, a, a lot better. A lot better. Yeah. Um as far as bat and defensively, I think the only one that had high marks on both was Ozuna. And again, it's a right-handed bat, so they, you know, probably really didn't want him per se. Um, not quite sure, you know, going into the offseason. I think Scott Greger was the one who uh, did a tweet that said what they were looking for for a right fielder, and then he deleted it because it was supposed to be off the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And there were several screenshots going around Twitter, and uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Actually, I was commenting on it when he said it, and then all of a sudden, when I hit when I hit reply on Twitter, it was gone. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> so we deleted this. We weren't supposed to know this. Oh, well, everybody does now. Yeah. So I know they wanted a left-handed bat, and, you know, as far as Bizarra, we'll see. You know, if he has to be platooned, I mean, he can hit right-handers, and that was a big sore spot for the White Sox last year. Uh, killed left-handers, had a hard time with right-handers. Mm-hmm. So, I understood the Mazzara move. Um, so, yeah, I'm not completely sold on this team as a playoff team, and I think that's what I really... 
really came into the offseason expecting, which probably wasn't realistic, but um, it's okay. I can give them uh, a little bit of a lower grade, but I'm, I'm very happy uh, to go into this year and probably go through I, more games, which is probably hard for people to fathom. <laughs> go to more games than I did last year and, uh, you know, really get behind the team. And the main reason I was always at the park was for the players. It wasn't for, you know, everybody's like, oh, uh, you know, you, the, the concessions are expensive, this, that, the other thing. I don't care. I'm there to watch the team, and I'm there to watch a game. Mm-hmm. So that's my whole philosophy. I'm very happy, and I'm sure by the end of next season, I'll be jumping up and down the glee. Um, but I fully expect them to finish over 500 this year, and I fully expect uh, them to be in contention. So when you get your offer for your, because uh, you bought a 40-game plan, yep. you get your offer for your playoff tickets, you might, if you pay it, you know, it, it rolls over to next year. But if you don't, it, it's a gamble. So it's oh. one of those things, too, that you have to look forward to when you uh, become a season ticket holder. <laughs> Do you really want to invest this money? Because in 2012, I, I think we did. And we, you know, it just rolls over to 2013 anyways. Oh, so they, they ask you to buy your playoff tickets or buy into them early before you even know what's going on with the playoff picture. Is that's correct? That's correct. Okay. I did not know that. See, I'm learning something new about, uh, I'm the new, I'm the new kid on the block around here with this. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah. when, when you say it rolls over, does it just roll over into like your general balance for your invoices yeah. for next year? perfect that's 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 not bad i mean it's you know it's not like you're losing the money i didn't i've always wondered about that but uh well actually i i haven't wondered that much because you know we've never really been a playoff relevant team but times are changing yeah it's a good feeling i mean there's nothing wrong with uh this team this year if they finish uh above 500 and give us a a wild card or you know some sort of playoff run everybody's gonna be happy oh Um, absolutely if, if you're not then you're stupid um, going into 2021, I fully expect that roster to be stacked at all levels. Um, you know, bullpen, uh, offense, and and defense, and starting pitching. I fully expect all that to be uh, completely worked out. You know, the, the rookies, uh, besides Vaughn that might be coming up in 2021, should be acclimated to the game. They should know what's going on, so on and so forth. But you know, I don't even worry about Bond because the guy's such a polished hitter. Yeah. Um, so it's it's only a matter of time before this all comes together. Uh, it's a year later than everybody expected. Once again, because of injuries, a little bit of a setback. I mean, you had a guy who led the league in uh, the minor leagues in strikeouts, and then the, the last last two years he's non-existent. Uh, Alec Hansen. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So you know stuff like that happens. You know people can't can't really predict it, but you know you never know. He might find it again. We don't know. Absolutely. So, he's still got. I mean, you know what? There's there's not much pressure on him right now, and that's good. They, they did such a good job of filling out the major league roster. Some of these guys like Alec Hansen and Blake Rutherford and prospects that are in the in the system right now, but have struggled or battled injuries, uh, Mike or Adolfo, um, there's, there's, the pressure has been removed from them 
in terms of you know any sort of time frame or ETA to Major League Baseball now. Now they can focus on getting healthy or getting better, you know, at their pace in the minors. Yeah, that's the only thing I wanted to go over with you was the moves in the minor leagues with the uh, coaches and managers. Yeah, a lot of shifting. I'm very impressed. They are getting away from the old guard. And people don't realize how big that is, and that's Chris Getz. That's his call. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he has to get the okay from Rick Hahn, but he's basically saying, okay, well, this is, you know, they're doing it the old school method. We want to bring these guys in. We want... You know, guys that understand the game, the analytics, uh, you know, sabermetrics guys, and being able to get the most out of the players that they can, adjusting for bad swing, adjusting for uh, uh, pitching. Oh, my gosh. My brain just went blank. <laughs> um, mechanics. Right. It's only for pitching mechanics. Everything and uh, just makes me extremely happy. That's one thing I would really bashing on them about and we were told from the beginning that this was going to be a long process of redoing the farm system it wasn't the fact that they weren't they weren't just talking about getting a bunch of um, elite prospects to come up into the big leagues but being able to make them major league ready when they come up Mm -hmm. and that's I mean we're, we're talking about we were bottom of the barrel up until well, 2013, we were 30th, and then uh, we were still at bottom five into 2016. So, as far as uh, rankings, right. now we're talking about we have to make our our good players great, our great players all stars, and our all stars elite. Um, that's where the White Sox have to get better at. They have to get their B-tier, their C-tier prospects and turn them into higher uh, people that are able to produce at all levels. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about that last time briefly, and this was before they shuffled around uh, a lot of the positions in the minor leagues on the coaching staff end of it. And one thing we talked about was, you know, that notoriously the team has always been bad at developing players internally, and that's why it kind of seems like they're bad at drafting because a lot of the guys that they draft don't pan out the way that, that we expected them to. But I think that's, you know, and we, we both thought that that was more, um, you know, a knock on the player development team than the scouting team. Um, but like you pointed yeah, out, they're doing oh, it. That's okay. So like you pointed out, you know, Omar Vizquel for a couple years um, was making his way through the system as a manager and, People actually were talking about, oh, maybe they're grooming him to be the next manager after Renteria, and he's making his way through the system, and then all of a sudden, he's gone. They just part ways with him, and everyone's like scratching their head. And then come to find out, Vizquel is exactly what we don't want moving forward. He we, he's, he's old school, too old school to a, to a fault, doesn't uh, believe in analytics, doesn't believe in the new way of thinking in baseball, so they cut ties with him because... That's not what they want. I think that right there was like the first sign to me that they're actually making changes to the player development staff that are going to be good long-term. Yeah, what I read is that he was platooning players to win games. Right. And you, that's not how you develop players. No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> you got to play them through the good and the bad. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that look at the records of the minor league teams, and I want to tell them again, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. No. What matters is what they're doing on an individual level. This is it's, it's way different than you're looking at a major league team. You're looking at how they're developing, and you're not looking at how, you know, what their record is. You know, it's nice to see winning records. I mean, we saw a lot of that, especially when Winston Salem was a powerhouse. I mean, forget it, nobody could beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not reality. Reality is is that you have probably two or three guys on each one of those teams that are that might might make it to majors. Yeah, so, and those guys got to develop. Right, and that's just it. And people don't understand that that. The percentages are slim to none for you to make it to the bigs after you're drafted. Mm-hmm. It's, so it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, going through the explanation and, and being a student of the game and just understanding what they go through and the grind and everything else is it's not as easy as, you know, oh, we drafted this guy first round. This guy could be in the bigs in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. No, not always. If you're drafting later, or later, uh, Later down the list, you're drafting 15 to 31, or 30, I'm sorry, I'm thinking 31 for some reason, because of my birthday, um, is uh, on uh, the trade deadline, July 31st every year. Oh, look at Happy, um, that's that's an enjoyable birthday present, watching all the moves. The, the biggest one was Jake Peavy for me. So, <laughs> you, have, uh, you have 15 to 30. You know, when you're drafting between there, that guy doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be in the bigs and like like that. It, it doesn't happen. And we, we're, we're a little spoiled with, with Madrigal and Vaughn because they're going to move quick. So that's just how it goes. Yeah, totally agree. But, There's a lot of but, expectations oh. there for all first-round draft picks. But you know what? It's A lot of people really – get all buffed out on, like, the NFL draft and the NBA draft. And, you know, in those two sports, the way their drafts are set up, one being two rounds and one being seven rounds, there is a high, very high chance that, that all of those players are being drafted to play. Well, actually, sorry, the NFL doesn't even have any sort of minor league system. So if you're drafted and you don't get cut, you're playing. The NBA at least is starting to establish a minor league system in the G League. But it's a lot different exactly. than baseball, and people don't take the time the time to get into the Major League Baseball draft like that, partially because they don't follow college baseball like they follow college basketball and college football. Yep, and it, you know, it's there's there's uh you know seven other teams other than the White Sox. Okay, mm-hmm. people are listening. There's seven teams below the Major League organization. <laughs> That's a lot of baseball, and if you pay attention, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, what's the other thing I wanted to go over was the uh, uh, not just the, the yeah the drafting. What people have to understand about the drafting since pretty much 2008 minus 2011, um, the draft has been very solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought back Doug Lauman. I think in, in 2008, he was, uh, I forgot, somebody took his spot, and then he came back to the organization in 2008. He, he drafted Beckham. Beckham was never developed. Uh, 2009, he had uh, Fegley and 
There's a couple others. I mean, they, these guys were never they. The thing before was the draft. They would draft to trade. Mm-hmm. They weren't drafting to develop. And then when they decided, oh, we're going to draft to develop, you draft a Gordon Beckham. But all that stuff that they had put in place was gone. It was they didn't they didn't need it anymore because they thought, oh, we're just going to draft people to trade. Well, teams started to catch on to what they were doing. And they're like, well, we're not, we're just not going to trade with the White Sox anymore because they're giving us crap. Right. So, and if they couldn't develop themselves, then there was, there was nothing there. Um, so, from 2008 on, minus 2011, of course, because you have your your uh, your Keenum Barnum and the uh, Courtney Hawkins. Oh man. Um, that was 2012. So yeah, yeah. So 20, 2011, 2012. Skip those. Um, those were. I don't even know what that was. I can't. I can't <laughs> even tell you. Uh, wishful thinking, I, I suppose. But you know, you could have developed these guys. That should have been your number one hint. Hey, maybe we should get into the business of you know the, the development. And that was my one wish going back. If I could go back ten years. Was they really they're taking care of the farm right out of the gate and, and about that time because they would have been a lot everybody would have been happier now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there would have been so, a lot more depth. I mean, we for so long it, it, there was no like you know they had this that the the era you spoke of with Barnum and Hawkins and I want to say Jared Mitchell. You know that was the toolsy era, right? We all make fun of it. That was the, they were just drafting players that were very athletic. Um, they thought that they could, you know, they had super high ceilings that they could achieve, but there was nobody there to, to find those ceilings within those players. So all of those I actually, guys. I, I, I actually, uh, Mitchell was actually a really good draft, uh, draft pick. He actually put up great numbers and his defense was spot on. He, that was not a bad pick at all. The problem was, is that he relied on speed. And once he hurt his leg, he was never the same. Um, a lot of people don't know that. I mean, his OPS in uh, his senior year, I think, it was 1.2. I mean, he wasn't a joke. Uh, he was really good. Uh, senior or junior? I think junior. I don't remember. I, I thought I saw four years of stats. But I was just like, wow, the guy really developed well. And he was going to be probably pretty good for us if they would have developed. But, you know, crap happened. You know, as far as baseball, I mean, look at Jake Berger, the same thing. You know, I hope the guy gets better. I hope he comes back and, and tears the cover off the ball. But once again, you know, you're talking about a guy who got injured and now it's a crapshoot. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it. And the, the other end of the drafting is the pitching, of course, which is always a crapshoot. I, I don't want to hear about Carson Fulmer and Walker Burler. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller anymore. I don't even know how to say his name. I don't want to hear about it anymore. It's like if you looked at the stats, if you looked at what the what the scouting report said about each one of these guys, that shit happens. Yeah, I'm like, Fulmer was far more polished than Walker ever was. Yeah, absolutely. So, Just because Fulmer's a miss at the major league level doesn't mean he was a miss on draft day. I mean, and Walker, what? and if Walker Bueller didn't go to Vanderbilt with him, then we would never hear this discussion anyway. You know, the Dodgers right. just are better they at developing been, pitchers. They wouldn't have been scouting them. Right. Yeah, so it's, that's, 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 that's the other thing. It's like, guys, you can't live in hindsight. You know, look at look at what the notes say. Look what they're saying before the draft. 
Not not three years after going, oh, they could have never drafted that guy. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, and it's speaking of, you know, that that series of years is where, you know, a lot of people still now bang on the White Sox, right? You you're you're Rodan, you're Fulmer, uh, Berger, Collins, that four year stretch there, um, where you know, Rodon's been hurt most of his career, inconsistent when he isn't hurt. Fulmer seems to be a complete and total bust at this point. I think he's on his way out. Um, and then Berger also hurt multiple times, can't even get on the minor league field. And then Collins has made it to the majors, but now he's largely a guy without a role on this team, you know, moving forward, unless he can develop as a catcher and back up Yasmani Grandal next year. So those four first four years in concession of four of first round picks have really produced nothing of substance for the major league team, and so I think that's where a lot of fans are, you know, angry and and, and they kind of slight the draft department there. You know, Nick Hostetler was in charge for all those picks, and he gets a lot of shit for that, and I don't think that was his fault, any of it. Actually, uh, uh, Hostetler was uh, sixteen and seventeen. Lauman was still there for Anderson, Rodon, and Fulmer. Okay, so Hostetler was just Berger and Collins then. And then he picked uh, Madrigal and Vaughn before he stepped down. Oh, those are four four great picks there. That's what I said. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have any problems with any of those picks at all. No. Uh, I think uh, that Collins was second in all of collegiate baseball and on base percentage. If you can't develop that guy, we got problems. Yeah. And, I mean, that's insane. The guy, you know, it's like, come on, people, get with the program here. Um, what was the other one? Uh, Rodon, look at the two guys they draft, the guy could draft before Rodon. Where are they? They're both pitchers. Who are uh, they? I, I, I think it was uh, uh, Aiken uh, and um, uh, Kolak or the Marlins. Tyler Kolak, yeah. Yeah, both yeah. both out of baseball. Yeah, where are they? That's what I'm saying. I mean, people have to understand that pitching is just a crapshoot. So that being said, that's probably why they don't draft a lot of that in the first round anymore. And they use the second and third round, and they took they took a gamble with uh, Thompson and Gilquist. Mm-hmm. But those are those are high high ceiling guys. So people, you know. You want to be excited about it, but no, it's pitching. Right. <laughs> With position players, we actually have a better chance, which is weird because we're not good at developing position players. So I'm just hoping all that changes. Me too. I really do think, though, that the, the moves they're making in the minor leagues and with the coaching staff are for the better. I think they have the right idea now. I think we're seeing them making moves that – you know, Gridzalonic, he was with Charlotte for, I want to say, three years? Yeah, two or three years. Two or I three years. Three. three years. And he's gone out the door fine. So apparently I'm I'm going to venture to say that that had, you know, was along the same lines as why they got rid of his gal. If not, why why get rid of him if wins and losses don't matter in Charlotte? Um, I don't think I don't think Gridzalonic went anywhere else. It wasn't for that reason. No, it was definitely – because of the, uh, they want to go with the new analytic. Uh, you know, they want they want to match the two. I I've had conversations uh, 
with Rick Hahn about this. Um, they want to mesh them. They, they really, they're still very keen on scouting. Mm-hmm. But they want a half-and-half half pool with analytics. They don't want full analytics. They want they want a half-and-half half with both. Both have to have an agreement that, hey, this guy passes the eye test, and they're like, hey, this guy passes the paper test. Oh, well, that's our guy. That's, that's the way he looked at it. And it makes perfect um, sense. Right. You want you want both. He wants the best of, best of both worlds. He doesn't just want to rely on one or the other. So it's interesting. Um, you know, you got p- people like the Astros <laughs> after it. Um, <laughs> that, um, you know, they rely, they have no scouting anymore. They just rely purely on analytics. And... That might be good, but that might be really bad. We'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with them. But you know, they had a really good farm. But how do we know they weren't stealing signs from other teams? Uh, Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's that's actually uh, ideas. that's actually a really good segue because I was going to go down that route. I mean. I'm going to stay away from 2020 projections with the White Sox right now. I want to get into spring training and then we can revisit that. But we, you know, we recapped the off season and we talked about the shape, the shifts in the coaching staff and the farm and their, their, their ideology from a scouting and analytical standpoint. But now, you know, as we wrap up here, I want to know your thoughts on what's seemingly the biggest scandal in major league baseball history, if not in the last century. Oh, this is huge. I think it, I think, I mean, if they got away with it in 2017, Alex Cora went to the 2018 uh, and did it with the Red Sox, then they were both doing it in 2019. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. The the Houston Astros were cheating this year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, oh, the Yankees were probably doing it too. Well, give me the proof. Let me see it or the Dodgers or whatever. I'm like, just give me the proof and let me see it. I'm sorry, but the Yankees scare the shit out of, it should scare the shit out of everyone. They should. They are a powerhouse. And I feel, I I grew up in a household, well, my grandpa, uh, who hated the Yankees because of the 1950s. Um, if you didn't know that White Sox finished second place pretty much the whole decade behind the Yankees until 1959 when they finally won the AL. Anyways, and went to the World Series. Um, so I, I grew up in that household, and I was raised to hate the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't hate them anymore. I can't, because if they didn't cheat and they were robbed, I can't hate on that. Yeah. How do you... I mean, it's one thing to buy, you know, whatever they whatever they do. They buy their their players, you know, their payroll, whatever. They want all those championships because no one else can spend that much. Um, but this is bad. I mean, this is really bad. If, if the Yankees didn't cheat and they were cheated, that really pisses me off. I think... It's like, you know, I want to hate on the Yankees because they're good. Right. Um, I don't want to feel bad for the Yankees. I want. I don't. I want to cheer against them because I don't like them. Now I can't. You're ruining this for me. <laughs> so 
you're right when you say that those teams were cheating in 2019. I, oh, there's no doubt. I remember specifically, um, and of course, didn't think anything of it at the time, but thinking back now after all this has come out, I remember, I want to say it was May 3rd of last season, and the White Sox were playing the Red Sox. Uh, it was a night game, a 7 o'clock start, seven ten, and Reynaldo Lopez was pitching. And the Red Sox just jumped all over every single fastball that he threw. They were by the by the fifth inning, I was gone. Sixth inning, we were gone. Like it was freezing out that night, and I had to work uh, nice that night. But it was they were jumping all over every single fastball and pounding it out of the ballpark. It was almost obvious if you would have known anything about it then. You know what we know now. Yeah, there, there's without a doubt. There's they. All they did was get sneakier with it. That's all they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, these teams aren't going to make it as obvious as banging a trash can forever. And no. they're not going to make it as obvious as whistling during the World Series. What was that? <laughs> it was, I mean, just another part of their system. I mean, it was obviously then, well thought out and very calculated. Just terrible. I mean, they, they, I mean, once it's pointed out, you're like, oh, my God. I mean, blatant. Yeah. It was, even like they were trying to hide it at that point. But I think after that year, they did hide it better. Because I think word got around. And somebody said that even even Major League Baseball was clued in on it. But they didn't want to cause a stink. And then uh, all the, the accusation came out by Mike Fires. And then everything. Well, yeah. Then they. Sentence, got lit on fire <laughs> yeah they um, couldn't turn the turn their head to that once fires went public with it uh you know being right. a part of the team uh in 2017 right that's so why they did turn an eye to it and they did know about it and it got back to the astros that they did know about it of course they're going to be sneakier mm-hmm. so well, i can't wait to find out how the red sox eat it because i don't know i'm I, very interested I can't wait for that Cora and Red Sox report to come down. And, I mean, obviously, he's he's guilty of doing it with the Red Sox in the year that they won the World Series because they fired him. I mean, they saved face immediately. They got rid of him. They're like, that's nope. And then the Mets did the same thing. It's just crazy. Yeah. We're, we're, we're three weeks from spring training and three franchises in Major League Baseball. Major market franchises have no manager. Ten, 10%. 10%. 10% of the damn team. Have no manager. Mm-hmm. And we're a month away from spring training. That's that's unheard of. And you know, everybody was trying to come out and defend Belcher. Well, he did that when he was a player. Well, he, he's not a, he's not a union member anymore. He's not retired. Right. You're going to face the consequences. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, nobody was going to let him forget it. No, not so at all. Everybody. Every he went to Philly. He went to, he, especially Philly. He went to the Mets. You know, or not, he was the Mets, I'm sorry. He went to Philly, he went to um, Annalise, she's the Braves. Yeah, they would have just, they would have lit him up. Without a doubt. I mean, so that's that's why he had to go. People don't understand that, that, oh, yeah, well, this isn't a distraction. We have our we have our managers back. Well, the, the fans of other teams are going to let him have it. Oh, yeah. It, it's going to be a distraction. It's going to be a huge so distraction. that's why he had to go. It would have been a circus all spring long, and you know, and and not and Beltran's not innocent. I don't, you know, he. No, he's not at all. Cora actually 
um, in the London after the London series between the Red Sox and the Yankees last year, when the Yankees pounded the Red Sox and hit a massive amount of home runs uh, in those games. Alex Cora, you know, he, he said that Carlos Beltran was the New York Yankees' biggest free agent pickup this offseason with a wink, you know, with Beltran being on the Yankees' coaching staff. Um, and right. now now we know exactly what he meant by that. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure that implicates the Yankees or not because the Yankees might have told them to pack sand. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. So, because they, they were a powerhouse in their own right. Uh, so, I don't, I don't, I don't see... As much as I don't like the Yankees, I don't see them having to do anything like that. No, I don't either. I think the Yankees are fine. And, you know, I think it might have been Beltran acting on his own. It might have been Cora just pissed off kind of busting Beltran's chops, you know, about the fact that he knows, you know, what he's up to or what he's capable of. Yeah, he was part of that 2017 Astros team. So, I saw something related to this on social media um, this week. And it was the notion that White Sox fans don't want any part of George Springer because he was involved in that team. He's not been implicated in any way, but he was on the team, so I'm sure he had knowledge of and chose not to say anything about it and obviously benefited from it. And he's a free agent outfielder next winter. um, And if Mazzara doesn't work out, that's obviously going to be one of the places of need for the White Sox. What's your thoughts on that? Interesting. Um, you know, I never really thought about it because I'm, I'm looking at left-handed bats. So. <laughs> <laughs> People like Rob Springer, I'm like, nah, they're probably not. I mean, they're going to try to get that. I doubt they get him, but Peterson's right there. And they've been talking about that guy for uh, for about, what, two, three years now that they wanted him on the team? Oh, Jack Peterson? So, yeah. Yeah, so he's a free agent. I think that's going to be their ultimate target um, if Mazzara doesn't work out. Right. So I think that's more of their bread and butter. You know, people are like, oh, they should go in on, on, on Mookie Blitz. Well, that's great. And, you know, I would love that. But, again, you know, you're going to be competing with a lot of other teams. The guy's going to make a boatload of money. Yeah, you know, I don't and, see that and, happening. And my, my attitude is this, too. If you're going to spend $30 million on a player, make sure they're a position player and not a pitcher. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend $30 million on a guy that goes every five days as opposed to playing every day. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I wasn't upset about Strasburg or Cole. But, Rend- you know, I would have took Rendon. I would have took him for that contract. Yeah, that was that was, that was was a very good deal for the Angels. Yeah, I liked it. I was like, "That's not bad. We could, we they could have won that for sure." But so yeah, that, but yeah, that's the the, the Strasburg and Cole. You know, the guy he injures his elbow or his shoulder. Yeah, you just no, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, business players have way. They're better off, and those guys always. It's rare that a guy doesn't come back. So you know, I don't mind. You know that kind of money on a position player, but a pitcher, I'm just not. I'm not sold on that. You know, maybe I might say that in ten years, where oh yeah, thirty million dollars is a bargain, but right now it's not. No, not at all. So yeah, that's. So yeah, I can picture them uh, with Springer though. Yeah, I don't think they touch him now. Yeah, I don't. Think, I, I don't think they. The, the White Sox want that kind of circus. I mean, we're, it's going to be a circus 
know, they should hand out little mini uh, garbage cans with drumsticks. <laughs> but you know what, and though? It's a giveaway idea. Dallas Keuchel was on that team, too. Was he on 2017? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, he doesn't really, he doesn't, the thing about Keuchel is he didn't really uh, benefit from that. So that doesn't bother me as much. It doesn't bother me either way. You know what I mean? Unless you're directly implicated in it. Like, if they went after Springer, wouldn't bother me at all. If they don't if they don't try to court Springer in free agency, that, well, that, that, because they have a better plan or a plan that fits them more, then, well, I'm fine with that, too. And I really don't care that Keiko was there in 2017. Um, it's, it's, it's not an issue for me, but I just think that it's going to be brought up during the spring. And I just, oh man, I don't want any circus distraction shit around the team during the that, spring. I don't think anybody's really going to look at Keiko like that. And they might ask him, and he might just be like, "Well, you know, that was that was their thing on the offensive side. I, I'm not sure. You know, that's that's the way I would answer it. I just be like, oh, you know, they, I had no part of that. Yeah. Um, I'm a pitcher. Do you really think I wanted any part of that? You know, no. Yeah. Uh, that's how I would answer that. If you know, if Springer came, I haven't seen him implicated or even had him getting signs on video. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I saw Altuve, I saw Guriel, Bregman. I saw Gaddis, I saw McCann. You know, I'm trying to go back. I didn't see. I don't think I saw Springer. No, so I didn't maybe, either. Maybe he declined it. Who knows? Who knows? It's, we're gonna know soon, though. We're gonna end up with this. This is gonna. There's gonna be a lot more clarity delivered on this in the in the coming weeks and months. But. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't know if some players are like no, it's more of a distraction than what helps. So don't do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, there's some players that probably didn't even want it. Like just let me concentrate because you know you're waiting to hear a sound and then you gotta adjust your and the pitch is coming at the same time. I mean, Ron Kittle hit on this today. I was like, there's not a lot of time to think about what's coming. No, not at all. I mean, like, ding, ding, and then you're like, oh, I gotta change my thought process. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> that's that's one of the things that popped into my head immediately when this all came about. When it first started, when when John Boy on Twitter uh, was right. was was bringing up the the beating in the garbage can, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I mean, that's great and all, but. It happens so fast. How effective is that really? Like, how much are you really benefiting from that as a hitter in the yeah, batter's box? I have no idea. I can't even imagine. But, you know, and then uh, when that happened, I was laughing so hard when I saw Farquhar call Smith out to the mound going, they're stealing our damn sign. <laughs> <laughs> like, they knew. You yeah. know, uh, and Farquhar was a vet. I mean, he knew. Yeah. Uh, the guy, would, he was really good, um, you know, up until he had his, his problem. I'm so happy that they gave him a job and he's working in, uh, I think he's in Winston-Salem now. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that made me ecstatic because he's an analytics guy. So uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is great. But the thing about that is, like, you know, he knew. And I'm like, that, you know, he knew he was a crafty veteran when he could take it out and be like, Oh, they're still like our signs. So, yeah, I, I just I started laughing so hard. I was just like, oh, you know, and that's a question I would love to ask uh, Kevin Smith if he was still on the team, mm-hmm. and just uh, try to pick his brain about that that uh, 
that point in time, or if I get down to, to uh, Winston-Salem this season, I, maybe we'll do a road trip. I don't know. It's up to the wife. Um, and go hit all three of those stadiums, uh, Canapolis, Winston-Salem, and Charlotte. Um, but they're, like, on one highway that connects with each other. So That's got to be a fun trip. So, yeah, maybe if I get down there, I'll ask uh, Farquhar himself and see what he has to say. But, yeah, that'd be interesting to see what he says about that because, man, when I saw that, I, I could not stop laughing because he's like, you son of a bitches, you know, you can see it on his face. Like, he just wanted to throw the ball at somebody, hit him in the head. Uh-huh. He was pissed. So, that, I was just like, oh, man, that, that's a crafty bet. You pick that out because nobody else had any clue. I mean, and he's just like, Kevin, come here. <laughs> Stealing our side. Stealing our side. What do you want to do? Yeah, it's it's going. It, it, I Farquhar, he was he was a great. I, it was horrible to see his playing career end the way it did because he was, exactly. you know, he was never you know a big back end of the bullpen guy. But he was he got out. He could give you outs in the middle of the game, and he was smart and he was a veteran. And that was just unfortunate to see that taken from him. And I'm really glad that the White Sox have done the right thing and you know given him a job. And I and I hope it's not. I don't. I'm not. That's not to say that it's like a a pity job. I, I'm sure he's qualified. He's already proven that he's very got a very high baseball acumen. So um, I'm just glad he came back to the organization in the role that he did. Oh no! Everybody was raving about him being an analytics guy. So that's why they brought him in. Um, I forgot who it was. Man, there's too many people on Twitter. We're going to start deleting some of these people. Get out <laughs> oh, of here. Get out my of here. God. I got a whole list of people we could start with if we're going to start, if we're going to get the power to delete people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I, mean, I forgot who said it. He's like, oh, that, that's a great hire. He's an analytics guy. They'll love him. And I was just like, oh, I didn't even think about him that way. But, I mean, there's people that know a lot more than I do, especially in the minors. And I just, you know, I go with the information I receive. And I also watch the games. I watch the highlights. I pay attention to the box score. You know, just being a typical fanboy. But and, and it's <laughs> funny to me is that I'm more, I'm more of a fanboy about about them building up the minor league than I am about uh, the team in 2020. But again, 2021, you're going to see a different side of Joe where he's going to be like, "Oh my God, this team is going to be insane!" <laughs> It'll be nice to be in the conversation yeah, at the major league I'm level. Gonna be, I'm going to be a total fanboy at that point. I'm just going to be like, oh my God, I love this thing. I'd probably even like hug Jerry. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, it's insane. But yeah, that's, that's how I feel about this year. I'm really excited about the minors again. And I'm really excited to uh, watch the team. But I know 2021, I'm just going to be full on major league fanboy. Well, you earn the the right to be full on major league fanboy, and I think we all have at this point. It's definitely trending in the right direction, and um, you know, it's it's going to be fun. That's all. I mean, the next thing is spring training. We got kind of a lull here, but I definitely want to hook back up uh, and get back together 
couple weeks into spring training and we can check in again and see where things are going or maybe closer to the beginning of the season um and we'll go we'll we'll preview the season and we'll get your thoughts on that before the season actually kicks off what do you say okay i got i got one plug i gotta do what's Um, that my my terrific wife monica has designed programmed a pick to click app i saw something about that today on the page that is correct. She did it herself. She's a computer programmer. Very, very smart lady. Don't let her gorgeous looks fool you. Um, she um, She's looking for people that participate during spring training as a trial and get all the bugs out for the regular season. Of course, it's free and it's just for fun. Mm-hmm. And we're actually going to do prizes at the end of every month for the winners and then one big prize at the end of the year for the winner. Very cool. Sign me up. I'll I'll participate during spring training for sure and help test it out with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're excited to do that. Just, we thought of, it, well, we were pushed to, to run a program and we're like, yeah, who really wants to do that though? You know, do, you, do we really want to have to add up people's scores every day? And like, right. And, and Monica's like, I can just design something. I'm like, really? You know, it's like, I, I, how do I know? I, just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that stuff, you know? It's all cool and nerdy at the same time. That's so, awesome. So I was just like, I just wanted to plug it and just be like, hey, if you like Pick the Click, jump on board. Uh, Chicago White Sox exclusive. We're going to have our own app that we're going to be working off of. You can... Sign in your own name. You can name your own team, and uh, it's just—it's going to be White Sox only. Though we're not playing the stupid rest of the league, so don't even try that. <laughs> um, it's White Sox. That's all we are. That's right? it. Die hard. If so you're we're not doing with the White Sox, the team, and um, that's it. It's, if you're not already on the White Sox exclusive uh, Facebook page, you need to be. So go and do that. Look them up. And then when you do, find the thread from today with the uh, with the post about the app. Get involved during spring training and help test it out because I agree with Joe. That's going to be a lot of fun this year. Yeah, just for fun. I mean, that's what it's all about. We, we don't. The thing is, is a lot of these pages, they have admins that try to make the page about themselves. And you know, <laughs> not naming any names. And we're not like that. We just we post content. We let people comment. Uh, occasionally, I'll chime in it, but if someone's being really stupid. Um, but uh, most of the time, it's, the, the page is not about us. Um, it's about the fans, and we do cover minor league. And I've heard we cover it better than anybody else. That's so, that's a fact. So that's the other thing. Uh, we're we're very prideful on that. We, we enjoy the minors a lot. So if you want to learn, come aboard. Absolutely. Joe, thank you again for your time. I appreciate you coming on. It's always a good time talking White Sox with you, and we're going to do it again soon. Yep, I'm always paying attention, and they can't stop me. No, no, they can't. All right, everybody. Once again, that was Joe Lorenzana, the creator and administrator of the White Sox exclusive fan page. I want to thank Joe once again for coming on and spending time with us on this Saturday afternoon recapping the White Sox offseason. And I want to thank you all for listening. And I want to encourage you to head over to the White Sox exclusive Facebook page. Make sure that you join, like, and share, and look out for 
the pick-to-click app that they're working on. That should be a lot of fun for White Sox fans this season, adding, making an added element to uh, watching and talking about the games and what should be a pretty exciting 2020. Before I get out of here real quick, I want to remind you once again to go follow the Tap Sports Network across social media platforms at the handle at ONTAP Sportsnet and give us a follow on Facebook and Twitter at Socks Unfiltered. Until next time, Jason, Bill, take it away. Three and two, this could be the final pitch of the ball game, Bill. Really? What are we going to do then? We will say goodbye after we talk to James McCann. Can't say goodbye, it's early. I agree, and America agrees. Oh, that's a strike. He's out of there. The game is over. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studs Turkle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you, Chicago.